Episode 57 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast is with Louis Cunningham, the SNC coach for Sunderland Academy. Louis came on to talk about his lessons from boxing, um, but he also spoke about what he's learned from football and how he would have changed his practice and his approach to boxing as well, um, which was really good to speak about with Louis. He spoke about his reflections from the recent Middlesbrough meeting that he attended and some of the discussions that we had there. And then also the best thing about working in an academy. Thanks to everyone for your support this year. I did mention in the previous podcast that we were only going to have one more episode, which was this one before the end of the year. But we are going to have one next week as well, which is good news. Um, But huge thank you to everyone that supported the podcast, whether that's been coming on as a guest, whether that's been sharing it on social media, giving us a shout out, giving us feedback. I really do appreciate everyone um, getting in touch and helping spread the word. Um, it's been great speaking to all the coaches this year and I'm really looking forward to a big 2020. We've already got some amazing guests lined up, but I want to hear from you guys as well. So if you have any recommendations on guests, which you've had quite a lot of recently, which has been great, um, of people reaching out saying, can you get this person on the podcast, but also topics, subjects that you want to hear as well. Um, So it might just be something that you want to know more about and then I can have a look and see which guests we can get on. But please get in touch. Either drop us a message on Instagram or Twitter, which are both at footballfitfed, or you can email us, mail at footballfitfed.com. It'll be great to hear from you and uh, make 2020 even better than what, what we've got planned already. So huge thank you again. And here's the episode with Louis. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 57 and I'm delighted today to be joined by Louis Cunningham, who is an SNC coach at Sunderland Academy. So Louis, thank you very much for your time. No worries, no worries. Nice to be on. It's great to have you on, man. Great to chat properly. I know we caught up very briefly at the Middlesbrough meeting and networking event, but um, it's good to dive into a bit more detail and have a bit more time today. So thanks a lot for giving up your time. No worries, no worries. Well, I've mentioned there about your current role, um, but do you want to take us through where you've been, what you've been up to and what's led you up until your current role at Sunderland? Yeah, um, I originally originally went to university to to be a PE teacher, believe it or not. Um, I was was a boxer um, and, you know, boxed for England uh, box at a decent level and things like that. Went to university. I was on the elite athlete scheme at Teesside University, and uh, obviously being uh, on EIS programs and things like that with 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 the England program and stuff, um, and then receiving the the support from Teesside University, the the holistic support such as strength and conditioning, sports science support, etc. I thought. Wow, this is brilliant! I want to do this when when I finish when it, um, or in my future career. So obviously, doing a sports science degree, I thought I'm not going to go do my PGC. I'm going to finish this and I'm going to uh, do a master's in strength and conditioning. Um, obviously, that led to a number of things. Being at university, getting loads of loads of volunteering experience, uh, being around the programs that they do, uh, working with regional talent centres. Um, schemes with multi-sport um, such as Tees Valley Future Champions um, one of the the lead strength and conditioning coaches that I was working with Matt Wright he he was working with Scottish Rugby um, as a consultant uh, working with their Axiles programme so I had a bit of exposure to that and just getting myself around lots of experience meeting new people um, d- developed loads of opportunities really paid and unpaid um, I finished my master's end up going into a role uh, at Gateshead College Academy for Sport where I led the strength and conditioning over a number of support, uh, sports led the ACE programme for a multiple of sports especially boxing with my boxing background etc um, I took up a, full, um, a part-time role alongside that with Scottish Rugby end up doing camp stuff leading into um more of a head role across the country. The Exiles programme is, is working with people who don't live in Scotland around all the schools uh, and academies uh, within England and anyone with Scottish heritage 
you know, they were linked within that program and trying to get them a pro contact with Scotland. And that was a really good experience. End up leading that that program in terms of the strength and conditioning. I took on a, a, a number of a number of things, uh, being a consultant at Seaside University as well, working with with with, with the programs that they had there in a paid role, and then and then the the, the role at Sunderland came up, um, and then just developed from there. Really, uh, it was a, it was a really really good opportunity to work in football, um, and and I was basically given free reign when I first arrived. Uh, given the sort of nine to sixteens role, and and with it being sort of in in its infancy, the E Triple P, uh, and 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 strength and conditioning probably within football, I was given a bit of free reign to really expand things, and um, my philosophy changed as it went along, um, my skill set um, developed as it went along, met met a number of experienced individuals within my job, one through manager changes, uh, managerial changes, so. Uh, the the people that were in the, within the academy, and who have left the academy or came. So, um, I've been in a good melting pot of getting vast experience. Um, that was it, probably really. I think that's fascinating. And one thing I wanted to dive straight into, Louis, you mentioned there about your boxing background, and obviously both competing and working um, in boxing or with boxers. Yeah, and I think combat sports is one one area that we can look at and we can obviously have massive respect for, but you can learn a hell of a lot from as well. So what, is there anything that you, anything that stands out that you sort of carry over to your practice within football? Um, from that really, I think, I think the biggest thing I've took from, well, from being an athlete really, and then into my role as a, as an athlete support role, as a strength and conditioning or sports scientist, um, is the biggest thing is empathy. Um, so, so being being an elite athlete or being or competing in any sort of uh, level, um, especially in an individual sport like like boxing or any sort of combat sports, you are you are tucking the trenches. Really, uh, it's not got the probably the level of financial investment um, where you know. You're paid a lot of money to do what you got. You got to do. You've got to work or you've got to study while you're boxing. Um, so taking all that in, in, into account, you you know you you go into university, you go into work, you're earning money, you're you're training three times a day, um, you're doing your strength and conditioning, you're doing your technical tactical training, you're doing all the analysis stuff all alongside real life stuff, and you're probably less in a bubble. Um, your coach is more of a multidisciplinary team as himself. You know, he's a psychologist. He's this. He's that. The other, um, as well as having your own multi-sport mechanisms, where you know I've been lucky to have because I've been you know around the EIS and things like that, uh, boxing. So I think you take all them sort of experiences from all them different avenues, as well as your life experiences, um, and and when you're working with athletes day and day. Uh, you can have a really, a really good empathy to what what they're going through. You know, when you've had injuries in the past, you can reflect back to them. Sort of biases, uh, are the positive biases, negative biases? I don't know, but uh, at least you can draw back on some form of experiences to to help your athlete. Um, probably that really. Uh, you know, even things like even things like nutrition and stuff. You know, I was part of a bo- uh, boxing where you're having to make weight. You know, I, I wish I was part of a sport that I didn't have to make weight and it was such easy. I would just turn up to train every day, being fully carved up, being fully hydrated and refreshed, um, which they all have the luxury to. But obviously being able to empathise with the people who are maybe overweight and, and having, uh, uh, you know, cut weight, things like that, they're all, all key experiences too. Yeah, I think I think it's fascinating, especially because we spoke to Yulma Wenny not long ago, who's obviously a former player now coach, and he spoke about a similar sort of thing in in that he was empathy was something he touched on as well. Where yeah. um, through it, he's he's had experience with, and he touched on injuries as well. But I think it's fascinating to sort of speak to you about the the difference in sports as well. Um, yeah, boxing being uh, just. Even you said before about uh, obviously we were talking briefly before just about communication. Um, you know, 
being able to sit or talk with an athlete, it, it doesn't care if you're in a, in a gym situation or you're on the field with them or, or you're in, in more of a meeting with them or you were in a meeting with a staff in terms of multidisciplinary team. Um, them, that communication sort of side of it and having that, bit, that empathy, being able to talk to somebody on a different sort of level because you've experienced something, I think is vital in, in sort of these in these sort of roles, really. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, definitely. And communication's um, a really good point, actually, in terms of boxing, because I mentioned it on a previous episode, I can't remember which one, but there was a clip going around on Twitter, you probably saw it, of Fury's trainer, and they were pointing out that he was using real short phrases. I think it was, I don't think it was actually with Fury, I think it was um, Billy Joe Saunders. Well, that's yeah. what we can learn from, isn't it? Like, we're not necessarily they've got a real short amount of time haven't they between rounds and even when the boxers yeah. are fighting well we can take yeah. that can't we in our practice that you've got to be precise you've got to make sure that our athletes know what we're talking about and not just fill them with jargon oh definitely yeah like you said you've you've you've, you've got a minute minute resting between rounds um you don't when you when you are boxing you don't you don't really hear anything um from the from the outside when people are shouting in you just hear noise because you're that in much of a tunnel vision um, in terms of your concentration and your attention, attentional focus. So um, when you do go back, your adrenaline's going, um, you're absolutely knackered, um, you know, in terms of fatigue. So all you're thinking about is is getting back to your steady state to go back out again. So I think I think you're totally right. Whatever the coach is saying, it's going to have to be so concise because you know down to one or two cues. Uh, because you're not going to take it on board unless um, you, you're totally right, and and that that that, that transfers into when you're in a gym sit- situation. What sort of cues are you using? Um, different delivery strategies. Uh, do you do you actually talk when you're coaching? Are you using the environment? You know, all, all them things, different things related to pedagogy, um, which you, you draw on from your own experiences as well as well as the the, the literature literature out there. Yeah, definitely. I think it'd be good, Lou, to touch on. Obviously, you attended our recent meeting up at Middlesbrough. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's great to get some reflections from you on some of the because some of the discussions were great. I came away and it, and when you like sit back and think about some of the things that we've been talking about, I think there's some really valuable discussions we had up there. So, was there anything in particular that stood out for you? Anything that you thought after and you reflected on? Uh, first off, I just want to say that, and I, I know and. Obviously, no, I'm on a podcast now and, and things. I'm not just saying it because I'm trying to advertise football fitness. I think the football fitness and, and what you've achieved, Ben, with it, it's fantastic, to be honest. Um, I don't want to blow smoke, but um, I do mean that. And I think, you know, you're going around the different places within the, around the country and, uh, and, you, and you're forming these meetings and getting, and getting practitioners from all sorts of levels to come and speak to each other. I think it's only a positive, to be honest. Um, the, the particular one at Middlesbrough was was very well organised. Um, Johnny Madden presented. Uh, know Johnny for a few years now, and 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 he's obviously a class act in in what he and what he does at, at at Middlesbrough. It was good to hear him speak and and draw on his own experiences and show um, what his journey's been. It's always nice to to hear people's journey, um, because you draw similarities between yourself and you and you draw oh oh well he did it that way as well and. And all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, I thought that was that was always going to be very good, just to hear um, Johnny speak and just talk about some of the experiences that he that he's had. It was also good, you know. You obviously give a little bit of time when uh, throughout the throughout the evening, you know, it's a three-hour block. Johnny's talk for maybe forty-five minutes, and uh, the rest is just just chewing the fat with loads of different people, and you've got people. Uh, from all sorts of levels and all sorts of walks of life, um, uh, and and there was there was so many um, to, to draw on, on really. Um, just hearing he, hearing more about the softer skills of, of people going from day in day out from their roles. Um, you know, some people are working in football. Some have worked in football. Some are some are in, uh, aspiring SNC coaches going uh, internships and and what's happened when they've when they've been around football environments. So I thought I thought that was all very, very good. No, that's great. It's great to hear. And that's obviously why we set the meetings up and appreciate your, your kind words on it. Um, it's great to have 
people like yourself come in and, and you um, have plenty of stories and experiences which are great to hear so some of them we, we possibly could mention on the podcast some of them we might not <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, yeah I, don't, I, I, I don't know if he wants me to mention his name or not and uh, but I really really liked uh, Rob Pacey's one um, <laughs> yeah of his, refle- his, his reflection when he was working in, in a professional football or academy football when he when he had to work with with a player who didn't want to be um didn't want to be there I don't think and uh, but he, he ended up drawing a really positive from that uh, and it was nice to nice to hear that really and and how how he used different ways to um to build a rapport with him and and, and find ways to for him to respond to Rob and in the training that he was trying to get them and they, and they ended up having a bit of fun along, along the way and uh, and it, I think he ended up getting having a real positive take from it in the end, um, which is which is what we, we're doing day in day out in our jobs. We're, we're just we're learning as we go along, aren't we? Yeah, hundred percent. And that's that comes with experience, doesn't it? Because it's it, and yeah, we spoke yeah. about that at the meeting. But it's very easy to jump in and start pushing a program on a player in that situation who's essentially not really going to get anything from it. Um, mm. Whereas, yeah, it's great for Rob to share that story and just the way he sort of adapted to the situation and, and got the most out of the situation as well, even though you could say it wasn't um, the most, probably the most effective in terms of an S&C point of view, but in terms of the relationship with the player, like 100%, that, if they're going to get anything out of it, they got the, they maximised that time, didn't they? Certainly, certainly, yeah. No, that's great to hear. So you mentioned before, Louis, about how your philosophy had changed so do you want to touch on that across across your career so far? Yeah. Um obviously when I when I started my SNC sort of journey, um it was as an athlete receiving SNC support at Teesside University and and the different programs that I was on as a boxer. Um and then that like kind of shaped my philosophy uh working with the individuals that I was working with. So I was working with Matt Wright. Um, and, and he had a certain f- philosophy, which you know, uh, you know, and, and he, al- he also, in, as an intern, introduced me to to key people, um, you know, such as like Kelvin Giles, um, Vern Gambatta, uh, Gray Cook, you know, and uh, very quite move, uh, you know, Franz Bosch, very very movement based and very kinematical based uh, within their. Um, Within their philosophies, um, and then obviously you stem from there, and then you go on, um, and 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 them them sort of people who who I read about and um, and looked at shaped my philosophy at first, and it's still key part now. Um, and about the layers of development, and I think Giles did say that, and it's not about the one percent. Um, as I've went on in in football. There's a there's a key key sort of paper, and I've been banging banging the drum for ages about it. Um, and it came out, and it's from Brealey and Bishop, and it was in the UKC, I think. Um, and it's it's about the different approaches within S and C that you have, and different philosophies. And you have like your traditional traditional S and C coach, which I think strengths in capital letters, and then in conditioning uh, is in little letters. Because everything's revolved around the strength part, um, and I think that's when first strength and conditioning came out. That's what everyone thinks of it as, um, and it's like your traditional overload, your bilateral lifts, your very, um, you know, everything's squatting, everything's hinging, um, and it's about probably developing the physical qualities. And then on the other side, you've got like your sort of coordinative overload and your very kinematical sort of um, philosophy. Where you know your Jimmy Nielsen's, your uh, your Franz Bosch's, you know the very the very movement base, and you're getting all your essence in there. And I think they're both vital, and it's about this mixed base approach. And it and I think it's more of a continuum where you slide up and down it uh, for the right. Depends on who you're working with. Are you working with a novice who needs to earn the right? Are you working? Uh, what sort of day of the week are you working on? What sort of part in the season are you working in and and, um, and and you're sliding up and down that continuum all the time also depends on probably the sport too I think as I've went on as well I've 
have came of value, the softer skills of of S and C, and just being an actual coach. I love coaching. That's that's the the ultimate to me. I know you have two. You have probably two types of practitioners. You have your very statistic based people on the computer, like crunching data, things like that. Uh, I'm probably the opposite in terms of I love coach, coaching, I love delivery, I love pedagogy, I love building relationships. It's all about that communication, culture, rapport, um, and really putting that athlete centre and caring about them. Uh, a big philosophy of mine, and, and probably being coming from an, uh, being an athlete, uh, and I've kept it going through, is being, being able to individualise to everyone you're working with. And I know sometimes people say, you're probably wasting your time and you know you don't have to individualize for everyone but i think you owe it to your athlete to 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 make your your program about them um i've also found out as you went along because i was quite a a dear adherent sort of uh, athlete I, I whatever someone gave me i'd do it you know i'd run through a wall for you but sometimes you have to take the the horse to water you can't make them drink it with some people that you're working with and you have to find different strategies to, to get that out of these, these sort of people. Um, as I've went through different roles, I remember going for an interview one time, uh, one of this, this certain practitioner said, what guy am I? Um, and, and I didn't really get it at the time. And uh, I've probably presented all this sort of stuff that I've just talked about here, but what he was after is, am I an Olympic lifting guy? Am I a kettlebell guy? Am I, am I a movement guy? And all that sort of stuff. And, and going back to what I, what I said before, is I'm probably not a guy, a guy at anything. I'm, I take little bits and bobs out of everything. Um, I read around, I use my experiences, and I, and I, and I, take, I take little bits from, from everybody, what they're good at. You know, I love Franz Bosch's stuff, but I also think about, you know, I also use bilateral training and, and load and heavy and really developing the physical quality. So, so they're sort of my reflections really as going through. I think the the other thing is wherever you are, your philosophy will change, um, and you have to probably adapt. You can't be you can't walk into a, a place all guns blazing and say I'm going to change this that and the other. Um, you have to identify where you are. What's the What's the philosophy here? I don't think you will change a culture, but you might help um, manipulate it or, or or shape it, you know. Um, and you and you probably have to change yourself wherever you go, to a certain extent, and and be a little bit more passive, you know. Yeah, I think that's fascinating, mate. On the, on how things have changed, and there's so many takeaways from that, and so many ways, we, different ways we could go with it. But I think. Some of the reflections from me, where you said about like what guy are you? It's, it's funny that people think that way, isn't it? That we have to yeah. we have to have our philosophy drilled in so um, rigid that we don't we're not able to adapt. So if we're Olympic lifting guy, like everyone has to do Olympic lifting, like you say, you've got to have the skill to put that in where it's needed, and but also realize that there's, there's many there's many other ways to go. Um, yeah, what are some some um, key considerations when you're talking about working with a, an individual within the team setting, because this is a discussion that we've had a lot. And obviously it's a tough one for practitioners working in a team sport, isn't it? But what are some things that you consider or what, the ways that you go about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky in a way that um, I work within an academy. Um, you can call it lucky. Some people might see it as being a burden. I don't know. But what I love about my job um, is that you're working with so, so many different uh, people in every sense of the word because you're working with, like, youth development. So, um, you know, that the the key ones, growth and maturation, and they're not the same word as well. Like, they go they come hand in hand, but they're also separate entities as well. Um you know, you're looking at things like um, we use we use two measurements because obviously we're in the EPPP. There's the Camus Roach uh, predicted adult height, and there's the the Merwell maturity offset. I like the maturity offset better, um, and I, I probably use that more. But I do use both, um, and the uh, the growth and maturation 
and, and working across the, the, the maturity offset in, in terms of pre-peak velocity around circuit and then post-peak velocity. Um, they come, come into hand uh, within gym settings and in pitch sessions. Um, and I can delve into that deeper if you want later. Other things are um, obviously cognitive age. Obviously very hard to very hard to um to measure that and and we've had a go we've had a previous head of academy performance who was keen on on measuring measuring this um but c- cognitive age normally lies in with with uh chronological age so using different delivery strategies and etc around that cognitive age so you obviously individualizing to the group and whoever you're working with so if you're working with the under under 11s you know they're going to need more implicit learning strategy environment using more non-linear pedagogy um using random practice structured sort of sessions where when obviously they get a bit older the you know uh, you can use a combination of sort of implicit and explicit sort of strategies um one key part of my philosophy also is earning the right to progress. And I know we'll probably talk about this later on as well, but uh, I developed a physical curriculum at, at Sunderland in terms of it's a testing um, and training sort of curriculum where it, common, it combines things like Kelvin Giles' Moving Dynamics um, curriculum, um, Grey Cook's Functional Movement Screen. Uh, there, was a, there was a little... There was a little uh, study by someone called Miles, I think it was. Um, he he looked at um, he looked at standards, uh, competency progression, a gold standard, silver standard sort of exercises, and how, how you graduate through them. So I made this, um, and and the, and you rate them as the train. You know the progress through competency because working with youth athletes, I think moving competency is a forefront. And you can really individualise through that through programmes. Um, and it takes all them sort of like philosophies and, and theories uh, into, into one. I think we'll talk about technology later. I think something like an AMAT or a human track um, by Valve, you know, are really good, are good things, but obviously take a lot of time. And, and this allows you to um, test while you train. You can also individualise through periodization again I'll, I'll probably talk in more in depth later that if that's needed but um in football it's very a very very chaotic nature you you work through vertical integration horizontal alteration what i mean by that is you may conjugate on a on a certain day and work on a particular area but then it may change as a, an undulate throughout the week um and that's on the pitch it's in the gym so you're individualizing through what sort of day you're on um and then obviously where you're at within the season uh, is it going to be more extensive in the in the pre-season moving into um the competition sort of side of the season where it becomes a little bit more intensive uh, and you and you're more optimizing rather rather than developing so uh, finally is I've, I've talked about like the kinematics. I've talked about the the periodization, um, and the final one is is really individualizing through the physical qualities and the kinetics. And what I mean by that is, so within each little P, and I don't know if you're aware, the, the Premier League come around and they test all the players, which is fantastic from a benchmarking point of view. You can see where you are uh, within the full academies across the country, um, but. A time on a sprint or a, um, a height on a jump or a time in a change direction test doesn't tell you a lot. And so I think profiling is the way forward. And what, what we've brought in is obviously the force velocity profiling stuff um, that Sam Zeno and JB Marin have really um, developed over the years. And I think it's a fantastic um, set of tests. And we use them and using things like the, you know, the sprint. Uh, horizontal profiling and really looking into a sprint in detail and breaking it down through the theoretical force and velocity and the and the power max and then looking can they can they hold a sprint through um 
through the decreased ratio of force and uh, what is the ratio of force between the vertical and the horizontal and you know are they more of a force um, person or the, are they more of a when they open out in the max velocity or the back and then looking at jumping as well through loaded and lo- unloaded um, jumps and, and, and seeing are they more of a velocity based um, being or they're more of a force based being and what sort of training do they need um, in terms of in terms of other tests I can touch on them later but um, I think you know you can really individualize through the through the kinetics through this sort of profile and delving into not just times the um, other parts of it I'm sure you're enjoying this episode with Louis there's loads of takeaways in this one which I'm sure you'll agree but I just wanted to give you a little heads up on our community. So by the time this podcast goes live, Johnny Madden's presentation from Middlesbrough meeting will be available to watch back on the community. And that joins a number of different network meeting presentations that are already up there. Ones from Oliver Morgan from our Celtic meeting, Jack Naylor from our Celtic meeting, our most recent meeting, which was Paul White at Stoke City. Um, and there's also previous meetings on there from Adam Kerr, from Will Abbott down at Brighton, and also from Tom Little. So if you do want to have a look and see what the community is all about, um, go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab at the top. And if you sign up to the community there, you will get one month free to see exactly what it's all about. Um, if you don't want to stay on it, you can then cancel it. But if you do want to stay on it, it is only £4.99 a month. And that gives you access to all of our webinars, our forum, uh, where we have discussions about numerous different topics. And then also all the upcoming network meeting presentations are going to be going on there. So all of our 2020 meetings, um, which we will be announcing very soon, some meetings for January, February, March, will be available to listen to and watch back on the community you also get discount to our network meeting presentations as a community member as well um, and also discount to a few of our partners that we've um, partnered up with that will give you discounts to the, some of their services too so there's loads of stuff available on the community but go and check it out footballfitfed.com click the community tab at the top and here is the rest of the episode with louis I think that's that's great, and so you must come away with a lot of data on individual players. So, what's the process? Because we were going to talk about processes you've implemented, and you've obviously touched on some of the the monitoring and the screening you're doing with players there. But what's the process you go into once you've got that data? How how do you actually practically go about it? Is it a case of splitting off, splitting players off into? small groups and working from in that group or do, are they getting a, a sole individual plan? Yes. Um, the, the, uh, in terms of the move and competency stuff, that's individual to every player um, because every player is different and, and every player will get their own bespoke um, gym session no matter, from probably 12 upwards um, and, and that takes count the movement competency throughout the curriculum when they've earned a certain right you then start using uh, the force velocity profiling um, for the gym stuff you know you take you take um, both both tests we also do a reactive strength test so that you know what they're like over sort of plyometric exercises um, there's, uh, there's obviously an endurance test which more more related to the field Um but in terms of the gym program, everyone has their own sort of bespoke program, and it is probably quite uh, extensive in terms of, of data crunching and then programming because obviously that takes on time. But obviously the the process of it is just you know you, you're just going to have to graft for probably a, a couple a couple of days, get it done, and then and then your life's easy, and then you can just get out in the in the gym or on the field coaching. In terms of the football stuff, uh, in in the EPPP now, um, they're very, very big on the ILPs and the individual learning plans. Um, and what they are is, is, if you're looking at as a multidisciplinary team, how can a certain player be um, be individualised and be and be uh, and work on something that one of the good, not good enough, or two is developing maybe a super strength. Um, so. So you look at you're looking at all this data, and it might be a case of 
you know, if you're working with a squad of players and you've and you've done your force velocity profiling, um, and a lot of them are really really good at at um, accelerating, but their um, their slope is is very very steep and they lose their speed after ten meters maybe, so they probably need like some max velocity sort of stuff, um, or you know they probably need to sprint quite a bit over some like longer sort of distances of 40 50 meters or or work on their sort of like kinematics too so it might be a case of you might have like four or five players and you work on at the same time and they just have a little bit more of a top up within their week of that sort of area um so it's it's a hard one to just say what the processes are because it's always different depending on you're in the field or you're in the gym um you know so but but i just think you know the, the sort if you have the sort of philosophy that you need to individualise, it is going to be hard, but I just think it is doable at the same time, you know, of crunching that data and getting out there so they can be individually processed. It is extensive and it, and it can, be, can be quite hectic at times, but but I think the, pro, the pros outweigh the cons, if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine that's, that's the the need for from players as well, isn't it? Like when, when we've spoken to players before, a lot of them are, are crying out for that individualisation and being treated yeah. as that individual within the team environment. So I can imagine that that goes down really well with players as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you you mentioned before about having like free reign when you first got into the, into the programme and into the role. So were, were these, all these um, processes, things that weren't in place when you originally stepped into that role or is, is this something you picked up from a previous practitioner? No, the, it, it's been a, it's probably been a combination of really, um, Obviously, got given free reign within the age groups that I was working with. Um, there was room to develop that. Um, there was something in place that I could probably refine and expand within the full academy. There was there's processes that to refine and expand really, um, and and it, and it's not just that you come in and you go, All right, I'm doing this. It's just been like a lot of meetings, um, a lot of trial and error. Um, and things just change over a course of time. Um, but I've been, you know, and, and then there's been people who have came in and, and you've had influences from, or, or you've been to a, maybe a CPD and you've seen things, how they've worked, and then you've trialed and heard it hasn't worked, then it has worked, you know. So, um, but I've been lucky that I've been able to, you know, to develop a number of processes within the academy and, 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 and it's allowed me over time, over maybe the five years, I've been there is to really stamp my philosophy uh, within 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 this academy. You know, just just to take you and I like doing this. I asking questions and and getting your mind open a little bit. So, in terms of if we took away any any restrictions, any issues. So, if we took away any time issues, money issues, facilities, or anything like that, what would be any systems or tech? Or anything you'd want to bring in to improve your practice. I think um, I think I think the most important thing, if I if I was a sort of like a, a head of performance going in, I had all the money in the world and stuff like that. I think the first thing is manpower. I think you know, um, and I think it's underutilized. The um, it's underutilized the fact that you know everyone thinks of of technology and you know, GPS, force plates, all this sort of stuff, which is unbelievable. And I'll touch on them in a minute. Uh, but by having the manpower and the, and the different individuals around, um, and, and just the fact that a lot more can get done, um, a lot more coaching and delivery get done. Cause at the end of the day, you know, everything looks great on a piece of paper and everything looks great when you've got all these nice spreadsheets and data, but people improve through, through training training hard, training properly. And and this can only be done with the right the right amount of people around. And like you've we've talked about some of the processes there and how extensive sometimes it can be. Um and life would be a hell of a lot easier if if you had a lot of top top individuals around. Um because we are probably stress uh, stretched in football and I know there's different academies with probably very large resources, but I bet even them, like your, your, your top your top top um, clubs of this world uh, I bet even them want more people you know but I think 
I'd love. To, we don't have one to, um, over at Sunland, but I'd love. A, I'd love a force plate. Um, there's been some great literature around and done. Um, I know Luke over at um, Derby, and he's doing his PhD on on isometric isometric tra- training, and I think he's using force plate. And when I went last time, he was looking at some of the stuff that that he's doing through 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 isometrics and and by having a lot of force plates around and and using that sort of equipment you know one for feedback but two for for profiling and training i think they'd be fantastic um i think some of these sort of like movement screening technologies would be very very good i've seen obviously val's got the human track and i've seen the aimat that's came around through um guy park and raquel and uh Ian Spears, who's a fantastic sort of engineer, and they've came around the clubs l- lately and showed us some of their their top no- technology. So I said, I think I think all oh, are really good, but I think in terms of a profiling um, opportunity, uh, it would be it would be a force plate. Obviously, I'm doing the, the horizontal profiling as well through the sprinting, um, and we use at the minute is we use the My Sprint app, um, validated and everything through Jimenez and, and Reyes. But um, what would be fantastic would be to have one of them, uh, I think, is it, are they called radar guns or speed guns? What, yeah. what you get done by the bobbies with? <laughs> 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 but one of them would be fantastic. Um, they would save me a hell of a lot of time than sifting through videos, uh, clicking on the screen every time they pass through one of them pulls. Um, it would be a hell of a lot quicker, so I'd love one of them too. Um but yeah, uh, the, I, I, also I'd love I'd love uh, to have the brain to do all these fantastic spreadsheets on Excel. I do try, and I do get uh, I do get some bog standard ones done. But I see some of the the excellent spreadsheets that people do across across social media, and I was like, I wish I could do one of them. I, I wish I had the time to do one of them as well. <laughs> well, that is the big thing, isn't it? Because again, we spoke about this at the Middlesbrough meeting. Was that where we see things going in the future and. I think it's a common thought process that there's going to be more access to data and more tech coming out over the years, but it is a real skill, isn't it, to try and pinpoint it down to what we actually need. Um, oh, definitely. And, and trying to take that that approach to looking at the game model, looking at what you actually want to take from the data and, and yeah. trying to get it as precise as possible. And it's interesting when you say that because all, that data, all, all those tech, uh, pieces of tech Will bring out more data points, which will then need probably more manpower, like you said before, to dictate it and produce programs and the results from. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it is an interesting topic, but and that is again another common answer is that it's just a case of getting more manpower in as as yeah, well yeah. and in line with all the uh, advances in technology. So that's really interesting. I think it'll be great to ask as well. And this is a bit of a broad one, and take it wherever you want. You can you can attack this by any angle you want. But what are some of the biggest issues you see in our industry at the moment? Um, I think the com- I think the common one is is um, is where the is where the industry is going in terms of being valued. Um, it seems like there's a bit of a tug of war at the minute with. Um, with do you need with do you need a strength and conditioning coach a sports scientist you know can coaches do it and this that and the other and how how are we being valued in terms of you know pay um, are we only being brought in because of the triple P and, uh, and and sort of governing bodies are stating that we do um, because you're seeing some of these roles advertised because of the saturation within the market um, is lowering the pay you know so I think they're one of the biggest worries, sort of, for this industry, um, is, is the pay and, and the and the sort of we we want we need to be with it, as as practitioners. We need to be thought of as oh we need we need one of them, not just just having one for the sake of one. And I think that's that's across that's across the the board in terms of of all the other multidisciplinary. Um, support staff networks so I think that's 
that's that's the biggest one really. I think the other one is, and I think we kind of talked about that Middlesbrough was was um, is there too many specialisms? And I think there's a need for specialisms, um, but I think within within football and sort of other sports as well, is you kind of be in kind of need to be a jack of all trades. Like my role, you know, I, I love being on the field. I love sitting in the multidisciplinary uh, meetings, talking about what we're going to do in training today. You know, what sort of day are we on? You know, is it a big area day, small area day? Is it an intermittent, discontinuous sort of day, like a speed day, or you know? Um, and then I love being in the gym and doing, you know. And it's probably where my philosophy started was in the gym. But I've learned so much as I've went on, and 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 going with the game model and um, and 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 session structure and what have you. So I think I think that's that's the key as well. Is we need to learn to be a, probably a jack of all trades. I don't know what everyone else and what you think, Ben. Um, but I think unless you're working for a a, a, a club or an industry or a um, an institution that has so much resource that they can afford that. Um, you need to be able to do a, a little bit of everything rather than just niching yourself in one small role. I think it would be nice that the industry had the amount of money and 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 we were valued that much that we could be we could be really specialism. But the way I'm looking at it and the way that things seem to be going is you need to be able to do a bit of everything really. Yeah, I think it gives you. You touched on it before about. Where you said about what guy are you? I think that that relates into this because it, if anything, it gives you the understanding of what other people do, doesn't it? As well, yeah. So yeah. If, if you have some knowledge in the technical side, and and that's not necessarily being a top 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 technical coach, but if you can understand what they're trying to achieve, you'll be able to adapt your practice in line with theirs, won't you? And I think yeah. that's the important thing. Um, I, I agree that I think. If you specialise too much in one area, I think it does sort of limit you a little bit, especially yeah. in football. Um, yeah. But, I mean, how would that relate to your experience in boxing or what you see in boxing with a very, obviously, an individual sport and a very different sort of approach? You know you know what? I wish I, wish I knew what I know now after working probably in football because football's so chaotic and, and, and every, everything has to um, and everything should do revolve around the uh, the, ta- the tactical tactical model and the models of the game, moments of the game, all that sort of stuff. Um, everything should revolve around that and what you're doing within the week and then what you're going to do on a Saturday. Um, so I wish I knew what I knew now, and it's something I've developed through working in football. I wish I could go back and be a boxer, um, and, and I'd been able to manipulate my training a little bit better. I think, I think the the knowledge around um, around boxing in sports science and other multidisciplinary um, sort of networks uh, and components, uh, you know, that it's 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 probably a little bit in the dark ages. I think unless you're unless you're a, um, you're in the England Institute of Sport and you and you and you're probably boxing for GB and you've got that such a holistic support network around probably the grassroots. And, and and even in pro boxing and things like that, I think the training is really in the dark ages, and they probably don't have a certain focus uh, within certain weeks, certain days, this, that and the other. Um, so I probably learnt more from being around football to when when I was in my boxing. I don't know if that answers your question. No, definitely. Yeah. I think that's a really good way of looking at it as well, isn't it? That and it's it's realizing there's a lot of good work that goes on in football too, because I think we. Mm-hmm. I think it's always always great to look at other sports and learn from other sports and take yeah. what you need at certain times. But I think you, you're dead right. Like you can take a lot from football and relate that to other practices in different sports as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then just finally, Louis, because I don't want to take up too much of your time. It's been great to chat through some of these areas, and there's definitely more that we could talk about. So it'd be great to have you on in the future as well. But in terms of CPD research. How do you go about that now? What are your areas? How do you go about learning and progressing as a practitioner? Um, loads of different ways. I think uh, so. I think the first one, you, 
you obviously learn so much through your day-to-day working. Um, learned so much now from being working in football. Um, but what I what I, I made a conscious effort of doing was was keeping little bit, bits bits and bobs on the side, just to keep my fingers in other things, just so I, I, ca- I carry on learning. So I still consult and work uh, four or five hours a week with Teesside Uni, working with multi-sport athletes, you know, working with cricket, work with a fastballer, a spin bowler, uh, work with uh, judo, um, women's football. So I'm working with ladies opposed to just men and, 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 and boys in adolescence um working working with um you know there's been disabled athletes in the, in the past there so uh so like sort of paralympic sort of, sort of that that end and, and, and a various different sports so i think obviously cvd is massive through doing as well and i've always been a, a learner through doing um so that, that that's that's one avenue i also took a role up um last year of of helping run one of the modules within uh, the MSc um, Sports Science degree at Sunderland University, and I led on the Strength and Conditioning module. Um, had to write my um, lessons and, and, and lectures and seminars, and uh, there was a bit of a, a module guide for me to follow. But you kind of had to become a little bit of an expert on all the things that you were delivering. Where within within football, your practical knowledge is probably good, but then you probably fall a little bit behind on certain avenues and um, of the of the science around stuff because you know it's, football uh, being a practitioner is all about doing and you probably uh, lose some of that sort of science and to rely on your craft a little bit so you have to become a little bit more an expert again and I thought that was a really good CPD avenue just to to go, get my fingers in some lecturing and to be honest like my lecturing style was totally winged and I was I was basically coaching the students uh, <laughs> as if I would on a field or in a gym you know um but you know I ended up going well and and I enjoyed it and even things like marking and 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 reading people's pieces of work and and how they're written and and obviously with a master's degree it's about being critical and um and it's how because I, I've done a master's, I've learned how to be critical when I when I write, and and obviously led on to, you know all them sort of things. So that that was good, good, uh, good to read other people pieces of work and, and and help them help them with their writing, which which then linked in with myself uh, tapping into some research. Obviously going going from doing that work and stuff, um, being trying to get myself into some research myself. Um, I'm lucky. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, Jonathan Taylor. He did. He's just left Middlesbrough Football Club now, um, and he's went to work at Teesside University as a as a lecturer. But while he was at Middlesbrough Football Club, we were teamed up quite a lot, and we've 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 been doing some research ourselves. We've got a paper out at the minute, which we released last year um, on on the change direction test, uh, which is used within the benchmark and by the Premier League, and just said like that that adapted five or five, which has never been sort of checked on its reliability wasn't the best with youth footballers so that was a new experience myself learning how to write because he's quite he's got quite extensive experience through writing papers and he's got loads of stuff out there he's got a phd on on repeated sprint training and interval training and stuff so it was good to learn from him on on like the sort of writing side of it and the research side of it and we've got obviously more stuff to come and 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 don't go in uh, probably too much and bore you but on the force velocity profiling and because we've obviously got quite a bit of extensive data now on on that from from uh, from at Sunderland and and then obviously he started doing bits and bobs at Middlesbrough um look, looking at some avenues around that um because there's not that much out on football and I don't think there's anything out on youth football so um you know that that's that's another avenue but what I do try and do, and, and obviously being an accredited member of the UKCA, uh, you get CBD cycles every two years, so you have to keep um, on top of your CBD stuff. Um, and I do try and I get myself to the UKCA conference every probably once every two years. Um, I obviously went for the first time to one of the football fitness federations, and I'll be going to certainly more of them because I thought they were fantastic. Um, I try and upskill on on sort of my accreditations obviously got my UKCA done my Isaac not long back uh, I'm looking to I'm doing my supervised experience through Bases 
um, and, and having them requirements, you have to go on your courses, like your safeguarding, your ethics, your reflective practice, which I've done. So, yeah, and if there's a, I love workshops. So, obviously, things like, you know, Jonas uh, Dodu done one, Speedworks, fantastic workshop. Try and get, try and really hone my practical skills and get myself out there and really, really challenge myself in an area that I'm probably not as good at and, and, and get out there to look at, to conferences or workshops or, or other things, seminars to, to do that. So I try and give myself a real broad range of CBD and I do really value it. And I know you obviously have to spend a bit of money, but if it makes me a better practitioner um, and then I can, I can perform better within, within my role and it obviously makes me more, um, more sellable in terms of as a practitioner, I think they're all win-wins, really. Um, that, that's it, probably. That all ties in, doesn't it? You spoke about the value before of, of S&C Sports Science, and I think you're proving your worth there by everything you've just mentioned. I think you've got absolutely loads going on. I've got pages full of notes, and I think some of the information there, there's some real key takeaways for everyone listening. Um, I'm sure they'll find that as much as I have. So, Louis, I really appreciate you coming on, discussing all that. I think there's some great information in there. Where is the best place for the guys to reach out if they've got anything they want to speak to you about? Um, I've got a... I'm on Twitter. Uh, I think that's the number one. Everyone likes followers, don't they? Um, <laughs> uh, my, twi- my Twitter handle is LPC underscore A-S-C-C. Uh, ask for US accreditation. Um, so that's my that's my Twitter handle. Um, if anyone wants to get in in touch with me, I'm I'm an open book. You know, message me on there or, or or even email me. So my email is just my first name dot my second name at hotmail.co.uk. So you know, I'm I'm always an open book. You know, um, I have people all the time uh, messaging me for for things, and you know, I, I'm I'm not one of them. Not that I, I'm I'm a I'm a bit I'm a big big uh, extravagant person anyway to, to be snobbery but I'm not a snobbery person where you know uh, I won't speak at, you know I'm, I'm an open book because because if people message me I'm, I'll probably learn off you myself so um, you know please get in touch quality mate we'll really appreciate it and then with all that future research coming I think that lines up a, a podcast in the future for you to come on and, and discuss that when you've got all that together with um, Johnny and all the work that you guys are going to put out so if yeah, you're up yeah. for it I'd be glad to have you back on and talk through all that anytime anytime awesome mate well thank you very much for your time and uh, wish you all the best for the rest of the season thank you very much and, and take care and hope to see you soon thanks Louis It was great to chat with Louis on this episode. Thank you very much for listening and huge thanks to Louis for giving up up his time and coming on the podcast. Um, It was only recently that I actually met Louis at our Middlesbrough meeting and um, I'd spoke to a few people before that said to get him on the podcast and I can now see why. Uh, There's loads of takeaways in this episode for me. Some of the main ones um, are where we spoke about empathy being a key skill and that's come up time and time again with numerous coaches he spoke about the mix-based approach that he that he takes as well. Um, so I think he used the phrase, what guy are you? So we don't have to tie in with a certain uh, way of working. We just need to use um, certain aspects of training at certain times and be able to adapt to certain situations as a coach. He also spoke about the importance of manpower which again has been something repeated on numerous episodes that it's not all about tech it's it's also about having the right people in the right roles the value of snc sports science and the saturation of the market which is an interesting topic and again something that's come up at our network meetings that we've spoken about and then staying in touch he spoke about working in other sports working with other athletes genders abilities and I think that's a really key bit of advice from Louis he's obviously someone that's really worked hard at staying in touch with all these different areas not been not really tied down to one area one sport one specific athlete he's kept his fingers in in many different pies but that's obviously created the practitioner that he is today and I think there's a big takeaway from that that coaches can learn Um, even if you are working in one sport we can learn from other sports we can learn from other athletes other genders other abilities and apply that to what we do 
So I think they were some of the key takeaways from me. I'm sure you you come away with some others as well. So it'd be great to hear from you. Uh, you can drop Louis a message as well, give him some feedback on the podcast. So he mentioned in the episode, but his Twitter handle is at LPC underscore ASCC. So if you want to drop him a message, let him know some feedback from the episode, or you can give us a shout. We're on Twitter and Instagram at FootballFitFed, or you can drop us an email, mail at FootballFitFed.com. It'd be great to hear from you and see what your takeaways were from the episode, Um, but I'm sure you took plenty from this episode with Louis. So thank you very much again for listening. We will be back next week. Like I mentioned at the start, I think I said in the previous episode, we weren't going to have a podcast next week, but we have. So we'll speak to you again next week.